0: nine minutes it is before 8 p.m. and uh, you tuned into a Metro FM talk here on the mighty IT Metro it's our business wrap and I'm joined by Snesipo Maneinjoa and Snesipo are uh, shop right seeing better days in Nigeria and uh, I guess uh, making an exit they, they, they made a very I guess made it very explicit that there's a lot of people who are interested in some of their assets in that West African country but um, I guess it comes as part of many of the shifts that uh, they've um, uh, occasioned in the last while and uh, one of those also happening uh, as it relates to some of the uh, distribution centers as properties, as part of their portfolio? What's happening here?
1: Uh, so, sharp right, like, as a result of the lockdown, they've had to just relook at the portfolio and just look at their capital structure. So, the Nigerian business, so there are two things within the Nigerian business. Number one, the Nigerian sales are actually going up, but if you factor in mm. um, things like your currency devaluation and Exchange the associated rate. political mm. risks within operating in the West African region, it just did not make sense at the time. And also, you, you will find that uh, I think uh, I uh, we have to always take uh, words to mention. They say companies don't have a good track record in Nigeria. In Nigeria and it's yeah, always been, true. and it's always just been, um, it's literally the, the way they approach Africa is through a colonial lens. That's the best. Yeah, because you
0: know most uh, South Africans, we, <laughs> don't, we, we don't see ourselves as Africans. But man, man, yeah. yeah, we don't even
1: want to include it in the same yeah. WhatsApp group. So Imagine. I think so I think for for, for 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 that those those are the type of lenses. Regarding mm. the property, uh, regarding the property angles, shop rights, and um, this is just a history thing. They just they have a significant property portfolio. You'd find that in most malls, if they're not renting, they buy they sort of uh, uh, have a portion of the property that belongs to them, and they've gone. They've, they've also built up their property portfolio through uh, the township developments where they've been opening up in traditionally mm. um, black and communi- pure communities. With those, what you
0: save kiosks, yeah.
1: Yeah. So they tend they've mm. got quite a business. So from a balance sheet perspective, that's what, as you know, um, acquiring property when property is not your real business is a way is a way of not utilising the balance sheet correctly. So you've got to think about that. But it's just a, just a balance sheet restructure. They haven't changed the core of what they're doing. It's just a function mm. of looking at, I think, COVID gave people a shock. They're like, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. this so happens. One of those shocks, Nistipo, has, has shocked them in, I guess, the, the e-commerce direction. I mean, uh, a lot of this capital structure shifting is also about unlocking some money to make forays. Uh, into other sort of channels to their consumer, uh, what do you make of those?
1: Um, so you know, very recently um checkers sixty app. So they tried to do an online shopping app, a uh, grocery shopping app. I've had the most horrible experiences with all grocery shopping apps. I can't even comment. But I think that's where we're going towards. Um, going uh-huh. towards. If you specifically look at um. Just as a, from a, not a peer comparison, but just to showing where we're evolving to. If you look at the fact that Amazon has gone into food delivery, going to yes. food yes. delivery, and it's been one of those industries that have just seen a remarkable growth. They were already growing at ridiculously good levels, um, ridiculously good levels pre COVID, but COVID is just because of social distancing and it's just, uh, it, it sort of forces you to use the application. So, as you know, the main problem with e-commerce in South Africa is that people don't want to spend money. <laughs> they really don't mm. want to spend money. And it's it, it, just from a user experience, I, like I said, I've had the most horrible... There's not even a single one I can say works. I've tried them all. Um, and and basically, so it's sort of this way it's growing towards. Now, the question in terms of um, how economically viable is grocery delivery. Now... Shop right because of their um, their presence. Both from a so they appear across all value chains economically. So they are the lower, middle, upper. So they possibly, unlike the others, um, like Woolworths, have their own app. They can pair their own app. I think they have the most likely to succeed purely because of the fact that from a distribution perspective, I don't think you can travel anywhere. I don't think you can travel anywhere without running into a check. As I don't even yeah, yeah, no, right, surprise you, really sure. can't. So I think they have the ability to. Now, it's mm. just how they're going to sort out the logistics of it. But from a present, I mean,
0: yeah. If if you think about it, I mean, all they're doing here is just really shifting chairs on the ownership structure. So it's just selling it to somebody else and leasing it back. But um, you're right, I mean, their distribution system has probably been what has allowed them to compete on price uh, with many other people, while being also able uh, to benefit by making forays into the lower segments. Um, so, so, I mean, quite an interesting one. But talking about Nigeria, now another company that's quite big in Nigeria is MTN. Uh, and we know Snesipo, they, they went into their first MTN uh, Zakele and uh, uh, they then had a Zakele futi. And uh, it certainly uh, had a bit of headlines since it was uh, uh, relaunched, uh, the second iteration of it. And uh, it seems now that uh, they're quite concerned that the lack of an interim dividend on the part of MTN, uh, uh, notwithstanding some relatively good performance, uh, might uh, compromise some of their relationships with uh, third-party financiers. Give us some okay. of the background here. Uh, what, so what's the story politics. and maybe how how does is context.
1: You know me, I yeah. love my BEEG. So... From a context perspective, Inti uh, Zakele Forty uh, was launched and uh, went to market in 2017. Uh, it was the replacement scheme. It was the replacement scheme of the initial Zakele trans- Zakele B E deal. Now, what was made Zakele Forty quite a bit of a challenging environment was that they maintained the same level of funding structure, where there was an own um, equity contribution. And there was also element of preference share funding as well as notion of vendor funding uh, from MTN. Now, as you know, the main problem with BE schemes is that you're effectively participating in something you can't control the outcome because you're you literally dependent on uh, MTN declaring dividends. So, mm. um And for me, I always say this for me, these schemes, uh, all of them should actually go to jail for lack of financial education that has collapsed because I think it's not explained enough the quantitative, quantitative, and qualitative risks with investing in MTN. Now, Mm. if you look at MTN results and you do sort of an analysis between MTN results and MTN share price, they do not correlate. The share price has actually been down year to date. Even on the back of high performance, so remember, even beginning of the year, earlier towards the beginning of the year, the share price had deteriorated so much that um, uh, they, um, the Indians like Kelaftuti, had to ask for, um, had to ask for a reprieve from the share funders on the loan covenants. Loan covenants, and um, what that means is that um, loan covenants, what they mean is that. And um, loan debt covenant. What they mean is if I borrow your hundred Rand, you must always have two hundred rand available in security. So just to make sure the things are in So they had asked for reprieve on that. And then also if you fact, and remember that critical listed listed earlier on. Um, if you look at the prevailing market price versus the price that you would have paid as a shareholder, which was effectively about 30 Rand. And now, last time I checked, I think last week was sitting around 10 rand, 10, 11 rand. Some it was floating around there. You've already lost 67% of your own equity value, and that's if you want to exit the, if you want to exit uh, the scheme. You've already lost 67% of value, and now the fact that MCN is not declaring a dividend, and they're not declaring a dividend, under, and this, there's nothing wrong with them not declaring a dividend. They've been. Mm. All companies in the wake of COVID, you've been told to retain cash. Yeah,
0: preservation, so then, cash preservation. So,
1: mm. And so, them not declaring a dividend is not actually a problem. It's not. It's not, If I was looking, if I was management, that's the same thing I would have done. But it does prejudice the fact that you've got this other shareholder who is heavily indebted and is requiring mm. uh, those dividends to sort of stay afloat. Now, But, I mean, exactly. that shareholder
0: only holds about, what, 40% of the share capital of the entire operation?
1: Actually, 4%. But as much as 4% if we have to get technical. However, as much as you make a very small shareholder, we've got a little thing called spectrum auction happening. Aha. <laughs>
0: We've got... Leverage. You leverage. You want <laughs> <a> leverage.
1: <laughs> no, a little thing called a spectrum auction yeah. coming up. Um, so, there's, it's sort of a, from a PR perspective and in, in as much as uh, it's a small shareholder from a public relations perspective and a uh, corporate social investment I feel it does wonders for MTN. Mm. Uh, it does wonders from MTN. But alas, like I said, the share price and for me the share price Is, um, the, the function of the share price is actually not earnings based. So, from a theoretical perspective, if you were modeling this, you wouldn't expect the share price to move like this on the back of very, very good results. However, however, and, however, the main issue is that the share price is a reflection of the current operating risk Mm -hmm. that Mm MTN operates in. And specifically, you're looking at two markets, and that is, nigeria and South Africa, that's because elaborate. as you know as you know from um from a beta level uh telecos, theoretically telecos follow the same um they say so they, they follow the same line, linear path of growth with the gdp of the country and operating with mm. the country obviously we're deflating and they're increasing so that's not necessarily true <laughs> i'm just saying theoretically when you follow if we were to go back to um I think sometimes um, I, I forget that sometimes you have to always take things back to uh, finance principles. Now, yeah. the main issue. But I mean, under- also,
0: I mean, I, I guess the other thing uh, when I this was that if, if 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 you think about the operational risks in the South African context, and you also think about what tech stocks are doing globally, I mean, uh, sometimes uh, uh, you find the GDP doesn't actually track what uh, tech stocks are doing. I mean, in the U.S., we we seeing something similar. Uh, so it certainly does raise some questions, but I think you're right that uh, uh, this is probably um, a, a very difficult moment. Uh, uh, but the kind of leverage of that spectrum auction not only is what uh, their future path of their share price is contingent on, but also, I guess, the operating environment here at home.
1: Yes, so you've got to look. At, so remember, Nigeria's biggest risk is is that oil situation, there oil. oil. It's not necessarily that Nigerian market, and Nigeria is the most profitable market for NPM. They do better in Nigeria than they do here. And it's still, we, South Africa is a mature market for teleco. Nigeria is still very much in growth phase. Nigeria, the West African, very much still in growth phase. The issue is that you've got to look at the political risk of Nigeria. And it comes from the fact that the government, in times of low oil revenue, because we're in a low oil price cycle, Uh they tend to go Uh for the, I uh, the next thing—you know the shakedown. They start going the shakedown route. Uh,
0: you know it's political entrepreneurship. You know how it is.
1: <laughs> yes. So, um, so, it is. So, 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 you've got to look at it from there onwards. I think, for me, we're this is a failure of Shooter and even though he's um moving on is he on, on his, his way day. out
0: well, what's happening there is he yeah you know, honestly, he's joined this US. other
1: telecom company you know to be white and to fail and to still be rewarded is a thing these days no offense i still respect him but even <laughs> me i'm sorry i'm sorry like so if you look what things well are we know true. what happened
0: with the with the escom ceo at nampak i mean so yeah a precedent calling a precedent
1: yeah so the, the main issue is that one of the things Incheon has not been able to do is convince shareholders that they can manage their political risk, manage investors' risk. Because if you, if you check their metrics, the share price falling makes zero sense the way it's fallen this year. Although it's recovered a bit, the way it's performing is in, is in no way correlation to the fundamentals um, that is going on in the business, and that's because they're unable to communicate their ability to manage the political and um, economic risks of operating, of being an emerging market player. That is the one thing they've not been able to do. So, one of the things the guys in the US have done is that they manage that. Remember, this is all, as much as it's, it's growing, the tech is growing um, quite high, heavily, and also the ability of uh, the US government to enforce um, sort of changes in the tech companies like your Facebook, sure, sure. your Apple, is zero to none. They can go to Congress, cry every week, like pound every week, but you can even see it has almost little effect because there's an understanding that the political interference is not significant enough to stop the company growing. In emerging markets, unfortunately, it's um, it's a function of political will. And a lot of people think you can't out-entrepreneur politics in Africa and emerging markets. You can try, but fundamentally the success of any organization is dependent on, and the scale of growth is, is through sure. um, political favor. Not to say bribery, just you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not saying people are bribing, let, let me not be shot
0: down. Look, I mean, Stacey st- st- was the point I was making earlier on, that, uh, you know, leverage, it, that's what it is, right? Uh, um, if I'm the one who issues licenses that determine... Uh, uh, your operational environment, among many other things that I do, that does give me a considerable amount of leverage. And uh, as you're suggesting, that uh, in in the U.S., uh, maybe some of the big tech giants are probably uh, um, have a different sort of bargaining relationship with the state, as maybe what one would find here. Mm.
1: Yes, and and literally, like, like, and that and that's just a function of where it, it, it's one of those things that. Uh, the function of emerging markets. We pay more, we pay more as the consumer, so that the guys on top can help keep the politics ha- politicians happy. In the US free uh. market, you know, but that's just, that's, the, that's the truth. That's, I think that's always been my gripe uh. with um, all of Silicon. I want to be with them in their struggle, but then I'm like, you're robbing us. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean,
0: uh, you know, the South African telcos just their own checkered history because uh, I think uh, a lot of what happened with the partial privatization, unbundling of many of telecoms' interests, uh, put the government in a very, if we were to apply a strict sort of competition economics lens, uh, uh, that was a clear conflict of interest. But, sensible uh, we'll have to pause there and uh, always uh, a pleasure to hear your insights on BE deals in particular. Uh, and uh, I certainly hope we can maybe catch up with some of the MTN Zakele Futi uh, uh, ladies who had given us a shout towards the end of last year. They were very unhappy uh, with what was happening there. And maybe uh, I guess uh, they might be able to talk to us. Or we might want to catch up with uh, Osis there to explain to us some of the discussions they're going to be having with their funders. Snesibo, let's leave it there. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Eight minutes it is after 8 p.m. That's our business wrap. Uh, we're going to take a brief break now when we come back. We take a look at what's happening on the shop floor and uh, today we speak to the Municipal Workers Union and they want uh, what they uh, got in Ekuruleni, uh, or, or I guess uh, they want a, a wage hike in Ekuruleni. that is quite similar to what they were able to achieve in Tswane and all of this uh, part of uh, I guess uh, reconciling uh, the shifts that have happened in those two metros and uh, collectively benchmarking uh, those wages and uh, many of you might get shocked when uh, you hear that uh, they're looking for a 6.25% wage agreement when inflation is hovering just over 2%. Uh, so they'll explain to us, I guess, uh, on what basis they make uh, that assessment in our Shop stewards Corner in the next few minutes.